0: Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this cosmos and go back to the Father, having loved his very own who were in the cosmos, he loved them to the finish. During dinner, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father, had put all things into his hands that he had come from God and was going back to God, rises from the meal. He takes off his outer clothes and, taking a towel, ties it around his waist. Then he pours water into a bowl and begins to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel wrapped around him. He comes to Simon Peter, who says to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't, don't understand now, but afterwards you'll get it. Peter says to him, you are never, ever washing my feet. Jesus answered him, If I can't wash you, you can't be with me. Simon Peter says to him, Lord, then not just my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus says to him, The person who's taken a bath doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. Then he's completely clean. And you now are all are clean, but not all of you. Because he knew who would hand him over. That's the reason he said, Not all. All of you are clean. So, when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer clothes and sat down again. He said to them, Do you understand what I just did to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's who I am. So, if I, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, then you also should wash one another's feet. I have given you an example, so what I just did for you, you can do for others. This is as true as truth can be. I say this to you. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand what I just did, you'll be blessed in doing it too. I'm not talking about all of you. I know the folks I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it even happens, so when it does happen, you can believe that I am. This is as true as truth can be. I say this to you, whoever welcomes the person I send also welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me is actually welcoming the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Anybody here enjoy a good old-fashioned humiliation? Anybody? 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 Any takers? Any takers? Because I can do it right now. If, you, if anybody raises their hand, I can humiliate you as I'm standing up here. Anybody? Any takers? No. Nobody's signing up for that. Even when I'm volunteering, volunteering graciously to do it for you. Nobody's signing up to be humiliated. Why is that? Why is that? Uh, have you ever prayed for God to give you humility? Has anybody here ever prayed for God to give you humility? Well, I was stupid. I wouldn't do that. But of course, you should pray it. But do you know what you're praying? Are you ready for what the answer might be? Uh, humility, being humble. <laughs> I have to humbly say, I, I, I was, wanted, was thinking about, uh, kind of in the excitement of this text, doing foot washing today. And uh, Jesus kind of springs foot watching on his disciples, so I thought, well, I'll spring it on you all. And as I was thinking about it, and as uh, I, I kind of I had to humble myself and say, you know, not all of my ideas are, you know, from God. <laughs> I get all sorts of ideas, and I know it shouldn't necessarily mean I should do them. But uh, and the reason we didn't do it today was... It, culturally, it is a mismatch. It's not something that happens in our culture like it did back then. Okay, let's back. Let's, let's fast backwards. Let's go in reverse, really fast, a couple thousand years. Let's go 4,000 years. Let's go 4,000 years back. And in the story of Abraham, when he greets the angels in Genesis 18, you know what it says? They wash their feet. What's going on? In, in this ancient culture, and this actually translates into the modern culture in ways you don't see it, uh, washing your feet is in indis- You have to wash your feet all the time. You have to. There's a number of reasons why. A dirty and dusty Palestine. This is pre-sock. This is before the sock, right? So there's no protection to your feet as much. And, and, I don't know if you know this, but athlete's foot is not a mild fungus. These funguses, unchecked and uncleaned and unwashed, will devour the foot they'll actually eat the foot Uh, in a lot of street care if you do street ministry uh, and I I remember doing this many years ago and I'm going to refer back to this because I don't want to make it sound like a boasting but washing the feet of people on the street in New York when I was there when I working there on the street you had to wash the feet of the people who of the men who couldn't wash their feet because they were so their brains were gone and that was not pleasant I I accrued no holiness in doing it because I hated it (laughs) Now, I didn't I give any righteousness or a crown because I was bitter about having to wash these stinky, ugly, smelly feet. But it's you need to do it. In other words, there's a necessity. So, okay, so in the social class at that time, all the way back to Abraham, all the way 2,000 years forward to Jesus, now 2,000 years now, we don't do it. And we don't have to do it because we are very clean people. We wash constantly. We are constantly bathing. So that's not a problem we have as much. But on the street, you ever notice that people want socks all the time? You ever notice that? Socks are a high commodity. Camar- it's because of the need to care for your feet. You have to care for your feet. You have to watch your feet. But, all right, says so let's go right into the nitty-gritty of that culture. If you were a Jew, you didn't have to wash feet, even if you were a slave. You could not require a Hebrew slave to wash people's feet because it was that demeaning of a job. Isn't that crazy? You would have to get a Greek slave to do it in your house. You couldn't have a Hebrew slave do it. You? You'd have to get a Greek slave. You'd have to get a slave from some other nationality because Hebrew slaves didn't have to do such a dirty, nasty, unpleasant little job. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm clean as a whistle. And many of us would find it very distasteful to clean my feet. Wouldn't you? You can imagine back then. You can imagine back then. So I'm kind of painting a tableau. I'm kind of painting a picture of this cultural truth. This cultural reality becomes a biblical reality. And Christ jumps in here. Let me, I want to push, this, push the envelope here just a little bit by talking about Adam Sandler. I, I, I'm not, Adam Sandler is not a hero of mine. But one of his movies, I can't remember which one, if anybody remembers which one. Uh, in one of the movies, his father is a bathroom attendant. He goes to talk to his dad, and his dad works in the bathroom. This is a job that's not very common anymore. It was more common when I was younger. But you'd have people who stand in the bathroom as a bathroom attendant, sometimes with a towel. You probably see this in fine dining. There'll be uh, some mints and stuff like that. He's working for a tip. And And Adam Sandler goes to talk to his dad at his office, he says, and then you see him enter the bathroom to talk. And I thought to myself, That would be humiliating. If your dad was a bathroom attendant, would you tell people? Would you tell people what your dad did for a living when you were growing up? Your dad was a bathroom attendant? Well, it seems like our Savior would have picked being a bathroom attendant over foot washing just to make a point. What's the lowest point he can go? You see, What's the lowest point he can reach? Christ means to outstoop us all. Praise him. It's his glory. All right, let's uh, so let's jump in here. Let's jump into foot washing. Let's let Tintoretto take us. Here it is a scene from one of the great masters, Tintoretto. Tintoretto was had two masters that he loved, Michelangelo. Michelangelo, and, and especially you look at Michelangelo's faces, and you, and Titian's wonderful, wonderful uh, t- uh, uh, colors. He loved color, and vivid and bright. This is hundreds of years old, and it's still bright. But this is a study of the foot washing of Jesus. Now, I want you to watch this, because a number of principles in our text are alive in the picture, and they're here. Tintoretto actually did another version of this, an earlier version, where it's kind of weird. It's like Christ is out in, like, the... Roman, it's really strange. Like This is very be- This is homie. This is very wonderful. And I want you to see that Christ means to take this, ri- right, this ritual, this ancient ritual, and, in- and infuse it with a cosmic significance, a gritty significance, and a personal significance. And Tintoretto captures that. By the way, if you go to art before this, before the, the 1500s, You'll see everybody's got a halo. And you'll see, there's a little bit of a halo, just a tiny hint of one on Peter here. You can see the background a little bit. They're here and there, you'll see the halos. If you pay attention, somebody doesn't have a halo. Right back here, who would that be? Who doesn't have a halo? Judas doesn't have a halo. Don't you wish it was that easy? Would well, have be so much fun to scan, just to scan the church and go, oh, no halo there. Oh, no, oh, good. I finally know that's the person who's in trouble. And we don't get that kind of... Perspective, but we'll talk about that in maybe a little too. But but Christ is here, and this is very very homey. Gone are gone are all the abstract wooden figures of the medieval uh, medieval uh, era. Now these pictures are homey. Peter's in action, denying Jesus. Don't baptize. Don't wash my feet. But look how uninterested they all are. What's this about? What are they doing over by the fire? They're barely paying attention. Why? It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Jesus watching? You get the impression that they don't get it. They're not paying attention to it. They're kind of watching. He's not watching at all. He's lounging by the fire. Who knows what he's doing? Looks like he's getting his feet ready. Maybe he's drying them. This is meant to be gritty, but it's also a cosmic story here. Do you see this? Do you see the floor? The floor is in patterns, like a chessboard. Something is happening. Christ is actually moving his actual pieces in a sense, his cosmic story is the foundation. But who's on the floor? Is that a cat or a dog? Gritty, very gritty and so personal. So tender. Such service. So in let's face it, it's intimate. It's intimate. Tintoretto captures all this. It's in the text. I want, you, I want you to read from this sermon from the fourth century. you can imagine? Fourth century sermon. Look how beautiful this is. He who wraps the heavens in clouds wrapped around himself a towel. He who pours the water into the rivers and pools tipped water into a basin. <laughs> and he who before whom every knee bends in heaven, on earth, and under the earth knelt to wash the feet. Isn't that that wonderful? That's better than I could have said it, so that's why I put it up there. (sighs) His hour had come to leave this cosmos and go back to the Father. Knowing the Father had put all things into his hands, that he had come from God it was going back to God. I'm telling you this now, he says, before it even happens. You get he has a perspective beyond time so he can see the future. When it does happen, what? You can believe that he really is this cosmic creator. I also see behind this Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I think uh, John would have read this by this point. He probably read this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, humbled himself. This this New Testament text that's that written by Paul after, after, the, after this event, John would have already read by this point. Now, So the first thing it does, Jesus' foot washing gospel reveals his work, how? On a cosmic level. Christ's trajectory from eternity. I want you to get a picture of this, as it were, that, that Christ comes down and goes up. Do you see this? This is what is called his humiliation. Oh gosh, his humiliation. And this is his exaltation. Now, what he does is he leaves eternity, and as we saw last week, I can't spell it all, he enters the cosmos, which is, our, which, is this, which is this universe. He enters it and he humbles himself to what? How does he humble himself? He's born poor. As one great theologian put it, he was born period. That's a very humbling thing, to be born, to be the eternal God, to be born in the midst of the blood and massive birth, right? And not just poor, but poor, like refugee poor, immigrant poor, traveling, the, traveling all over Palestine poor. Not just poor, but persecuted, sought and harassed by powerful people for no good reason. And so you see him, he's, he's even homeless. His family is drifting from Palestine to Egypt and back to Galilee. They're political refugees. That is all his humiliation. He descends, but there's a great V, and V stands for victory. It's a great V, right? And that's the old World War II. V stands for victory. The idea is that it's not the complete story he humbled himself. What's the second part of the story? His humbling led to him being exalted, him being lifted up and raised and praised and, and put above every name, and oh, and wonders of wonders. Christ's trajectory from eternity. Now, do you see it? Watch this, this is really beautiful. In the the story in John, when he's doing, do you notice it all gets very, it gets uh, present tense? Do you notice that John goes to the present tense? So, what he's doing, he's making the story pop. He wants you to be there, he wants you to imagine it, okay? Now, the the, the language used of this, he took off his outer clothes. It's the word laid aside, it's the same word he uses when he describes laying aside his glory. It's the same words used otherwise when John describes Christ giving up his glory. Isn't that beautiful? So this whole, picture this. They would all remember it. He takes off his, just like he took off his glory to come here. He takes it off. He gets down and kneels, just like he humbled himself to know us, to die for us and to love us. You see, he's acting it all out. And they didn't miss it. They didn't miss that. That he was enacting, by his disrobing and then his care for their feet, his own action coming from eternity to space and time. Praise him. Oh, good stuff. But that's just the cosmic level. Foot washing also does something else. His hour had come to leave this cosmos. He loved them to the finish. You are all clean, but not all of you. In in other words, in the midst of this, there's a grit there's a grittiness to the finish. What's that finish word? Does anybody know where else that comes up? This word finish, you've heard it elsewhere. Who else talks about things being finished? Christ does on the cross. John knows that language. What does Christ say? What's one of his great words on the cross? There's only seven of them. He says, Tetelestai. Does anybody remember what Tetelestai means? The same word used here. It is finished. It is finished. So the second thing that the foot washing does is it shows how gritty Christ is in his commitment to go to execution as a substitute. You should have been executed, Crystal, and you're one of the nicest people here. You know, you, Grace, you should have been executed. But you have a substitute. You have a substitute. And and so the foot washing enacts, visually, not only the grand cosmic scope, but the grit of what he would be, that he would stand, he would, do, he would do whatever has to be done. He would stoop. He had stooped, he would stoop in his body. He would stoop with nails. While angels, we have a picture by the way, you know this, he tells, he tells Pilate this. This is what all the angels are doing while Christ is on the cross. <laughs> let me get him, let me get him, please. Let me get him, let me get him, let me get him, let me. No, he gives him his life freely. He humbles himself to death on a cross. Oh, I praise him. An execution as your substitute. That's the second thing that foot washing illustrates. The second thing it tends to capture. The second thing it wants you to invite you into the truth of. But there's a third thing, too. He loved his very own who were... In- he, he loved... Oh, English language fails us, guys. It does. The English language, in the end, for whatever reason... Doesn't distinguish between love, love languages or love words about love. And the Greeks, Greeks had something on us here. They had Eros to describe what sexual love was. They had Phileo, the love of friendship, which is a love of total sacrifice, by the way. It wasn't merely like friendship we think of today. It meant true friendship and fraternity. But there was a third kind of love they knew about, and they knew about it. I don't know how they knew about it, but when they came, when Christianity came along, it inhabited this one word. Agape, the love of surrender for the other, the love of total giving, the love of passionate love, the, the language that describes a love that goes beyond love, a love that comes from eternity, a love that's tender and intimate like only a foot-washing could be. You guys see? A oh, foot-washing. That's why it would be hard to do it because we are a, we are a culture that it's weird with intimacy, aren't we? We're weird about intimacy as a culture. That's one of the reasons why this would be weird for us. Because that's just uncomfortable. That's odd. That's weird. There's not something wrong with that. There's something wrong with us. <laughs> but, that aside, but that aside, intimacy, personal love, and the personal love language of God, this is precious stuff. This is what foot washing was meant to be. Christ wants to engage you with a touch, with his touch, with his personal connection with who you are. That is what the... And don't you get see why I'm so excited about foot washing? (laughs) Because foot washing, it's got levels, man. It's got levels, right? It does. It's got levels. It's got levels revealing that trajectory from eternity, realizing the path to execution, and finally the servant heart of a Christ who loves that freely, that intimately, that close, that close to you. What are we going to do with this then? <laughs> I love called agape. Uh, I'm excited about this, as you can tell. Now, i, I try to figure out how to work. Let me, let's do this. Jesus has a foot-washing ethic. And that's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time. A foot-washing ethic. In other words, what he did creates an, a moral Landscape for us to live in. What he did creates a moral, a moral action for us to imitate and, li- and understand and figure out how we can plumb it, and how are we going to first plumb it? Well, first we going to first grab it. You need. All right. First of all, I to talk to anybody who's not a Christian today. I want to ask you and invite you to, to decide for Christ. <laughs> decide for Christ because Christ is offering. The fact that you're here today means. Christ loves you in a unique way, and he's speaking his love to you now. I just believe that. And if you think it's been too late for you, you've run too far, and you've been away from Jesus too long, stop all that. (laughs) Because hear how far foot washing's trying to describe how he will stoop to love you. (laughs) Yes, that is what, who guessed that Christianity actually worships the humble God? (sighs) Who, Who has known such a God who would say, I will despise myself? And my privileges, and my power, and my glory, just to love you, <laughs> just to show it to you, just to apply it to you. He decide for Christ because Christ's love is for you. Choose it today. But let me, let me, let me hear the second one. Do you hear Peter? I hear Peter before that. What is he? Uh, oh, I'll well, do it this way. This this way. You can't wash you. Uh, you can't ever ever wash me my feet in, in verse eight. And, and in, the, in Tintoretto's picture, you see, you see him, he's like pushing him away, like, no, no, no. It's just Peter, isn't it? It's perfect Peter. Peter's the, the, the over-talking, over, over-zealous idiot. You guys happen to know a Peter, so you, I'm training. I'm, tra- I'm Peter training for you, all right? So, Lord, you can't, if I can't watch you, you can't be, what does he say? If, you, if I can't watch you, what does Christ say? You can't be a part of me. I want you to hear something here. Humble yourself to receiving God's love. And what I mean by this is, every time you've said your sin is greater than Jesus' love, you have despised him and you have been arrogant. You have rejected the humility and grace of Jesus. And I want you to say that to me the next time you catch me wallowing in my sin. Because I'm telling it to you if you're wallowing in yours. Give it up. Do not arrogate. Do not imagine that you are greater than Christ. Every attempt to say that your sin is so awful, you're such an awful husband or wife or person or student or whoever you are. Oh, wait, Christ isn't for me. How many of us have sinned? How many of you fall into sin? And right at that moment, you're like, well, I, was get, I felt pretty good like I was getting intimate with God, and I just blew it. How many of you thought that? I blew it. I blew into it. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Ah. <sighs> Let's, let's, let's dial in. Let's go into the disciples. Let's dial in. They're all there. He's washing. Whose feet is he washing? He's washing Judas's feet too. Judas who will betray him. He's giving Judas every opportunity. Oh, he's giving every opportunity. How much more will he give you? Oh, who else is he washing? Who, what is Peter about to do? Peter's about to tell him, Jesus, I will never, ever betray you. And Jesus says, I know you're going to betray me. In fact, I know what's going to happen. I know how many times you'll betray me. I have a timer set. It's, it's a rooster. He's going to go off because I made the rooster too. And, and Peter denies him three times. Do you see why Jesus took so much time to tenderly love on them and to tell them about his love? Why? Because in a few hours and within a day, they were all going to run away. If you were to run away from Jesus, do you think He'd take you back? That's what Agape love does. What's happening right here? Guys, God, God is preparing you right this moment. I am telling you. God told me this morning how much He loves you, Juliana. He told me this morning. He did. He told me because he told me about all of you. They told me the same thing. But why am I telling you this? Because Tuesday's coming. Tuesday, the day that you forget Jesus existed and you're off cursing your neighbor and you're angry as heck at your boss and you think the world hates you and you just want to give up. Anybody? Or you wonder if your wife is ever going to figure out what you need or your husband's ever going to listen to you or if you're ever going to find a wife or a husband. And you despair. Oh, I'm all alone, woe is me. So what are these, these words Jesus gave those disciples disciples for them to remember later about his love? So what are my words here today for For, for you? For you? For each one of you to remember on Tuesday, to remember on your Thursdays, to remember on hump day. You know, in the midst of life, dark days are coming where you will will betray him, where you will deny him, or you'll walk away from him, or you'll choose other things, or you'll choose idols. Guess what? Those days are coming. He knows it. That's why he wants you to know today about his love. That's why we go to the table every week because we need a signpost. We need something in the heavens. We need something so big it can screaming at us. I have loved you in your sin, despite your sin. Love me, turn to me, worship me, trust me. I am the saving God. I am the humble God. Praise him. God is not too proud to take you back again. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He's not too proud to take you back. <laughs> Praise him. He's the humble God. The second, making the gospel your perspective on others. Splash fights in the kingdom. Now, I was an obnoxious, as you may not be surprised. Um, I, was obnox- I was the obnoxious kid in the pool who would always splash you in the face. Especially if I liked you as a girl. I'd splash you in the face. And that never really worked. I don't understand why. But I was a little kid. You splash, you splash, you splash, right? Splash. And it was always fun to get to that splashing point where you just surprise people with splashes. And I'm obnoxious. Praise God that I'm not the picture of the kingdom. Jesus is. But I have this picture, though. Do you understand what's, that's, Christ is inviting us to foot wash. The first thing we think is humility. We're going to get there. The first thing I want you to hear is we're supposed to be splashing each other with the gospel all the time. This is how your marriage will work. The more you're splashing each other with the gospel. What are you doing? You're enacting constant forgiveness. Constant, because that's the only thing that's going to make it work. Because being married to Ted is miserable business. It just is. And being married to David is miserable. It just is. And it always will be. Because there's, we are always bouncing up. And, and, and just life together in this church. It's going to be miserable business sometimes. You know why? Because we're sinners. And we were told that love covers a multitude of sin. We're supposed to be splashing each other. The the economy of forgiveness that's supposed to be operative in the kingdom, what we're trading off and trading in, is never resentments and grudges. Do you carry resentments and grudges? Then get into a splash fight. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Are you ticked that other people don't understand you, don't love you, don't call you, aren't with you? splash them with Jesus and forgive them that's the forgiving part there's another part to this too and I think it's really beautiful we're supposed to see pictures of the king pictures of redemption all around us I know look you know when we look at Jack we don't see 10 over his head do we we see like seven we figure Jack could probably be a seven in life right (laughs) maybe maybe we hope no you're wrong Because he knows Jesus, and he is a 10. He has a capacity for wonder, for joy, and for righteousness, and for worship that is incredible. So is yours. Stop looking around here. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at others and and seeing only limits. I hate that. Don't see it when people come in off the street. Don't see it with anybody. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before them by applying the kingdom to them. I mean, it's really wonderful that we're called to love like this. This is the first, now, now, the foot washing ethic does then lead us finally to what? Shaping your attitude. An attitude of what? And this really, this is where I think that John did read Philippians. Look how Philippians takes Christ's humility. This, uh, by the way, verse 5 on, is about Christ's humility. And actually, uh, right here, where is it? Even death on a (laughs) cliff, He humbled himself. That word right there, uh, oh, the empty, it's empty, this word, kenosis, a very famous word in the New Testament. It's one of the only times it's used. Emptied. He emptied him out. It's like pour opening a, oh, pouring out a bucket. He completely emptied himself. Okay, that's the theology, but look at how much practical stuff Paul gets out of it. Being of the same mind, having the same love, what, nothing from selfish ambition, nothing from conceit, counting others more important than you are and going each of you look at your own interests but also the interests of others and having this mind which is in christ jesus who emptied. now i want you to see something here christ knows christ, paul here is teaching the lesson from john 13 and john would have read paul as well and he is accentuating. he's giving you example of what paul is talking about it's really beautiful now, this ethic here, then, becomes the ethic, I, th- I would say, of surfing the V. I- I've only surfed twice in my life, and neither time did I get up on the board. But I'm imagining I did at one point. <laughs> I'm just Im- it's my imagination. You can't mess with my imagination. I-, I imagine it would be like this. I don't know. It would be nice. I don't know what this feels like on a board, because I can't even get up here. But I just picture that that is what we're supposed to do with Christ V. Christ V forms a wave. We're supposed to be surfing it. We're supposed to be taking Christ emptying of himself and then doing that ourselves. And finding ways we can, discovering ways that we can be emptying ourselves. What does this mean? Okay, remember Christ? Let's say he took off his coat, remember? What, he got rid of his glory from eternity, all right? We've got a lot of education in here. What's your education for? It's a tool you're supposed to take off, not to show it off, to take it off to love other people. Okay, what's another thing? Well, some of us have money, resources. God's given us uh, funds that we have. Why do you have To take them off, to to get rid of them. For what? To use for other people. (laughs) Okay, what's up? Your position. Your position in life, your job, your work, your success. What are all these things that God's giving you? And look, we're in San Francisco. There's a lot of success around us. And you have success too, and you've tasted it. And you've begun to taste it. Why is God giving it to you? He wants you to surf his trajectory. And it goes down, doesn't it? And then it goes up. And you're supposed to give up your position, your education, your wealth, your time, and your opportunity or what? There are ways to love other people. There are ways, things to give up for others. And what happens here? Well, the way we lead in, the ma- in our marriages, the way we lead in our homes, the way we lead in our Bible studies, the way we lead in our church, the way we lead what we're setting up on Sunday morning, or the way that Stephanie, why is Stephanie scrambling to find people to do the humble jobs every week? Why? Why is she? Well, we're not, we're not somehow, we came here with our coats on. Wanting to be served, didn't we? And we don't even mean to. I'm not saying you came here with a selfish attitude, but it's just the way we are. We wear our power. We wear our privilege. We wear our, 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 our success. We wear our position. We wear our wealth. We all do. And we don't even realize it. And around us, people are suffering. And we're meant, and we were being instructed, we're being told with these new hearts that God has given us to humble ourselves, to give it up, To surrender it for other people. Praise him. It's a whole new ethic. And you know what happens here? It all gets flipped. This this world, this cosmos we live in, doesn't understand it at all. Let me give you an example. That it's already, oh wow. Well, good time. Uh, Good good thing, never mind. Uh, What was it talking? Oh, I got the chance to, to... to share Jesus' love with Trang this week. We were praying for her this morning. And Trang, if you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, because one of the things she said she noticed in Corey and Natalie that she had never seen, she had noticed it in Christians in Korea, because she she's doing a, her, her, class, her school in Minerva does, does semesters all around the world, and she met Christians in Korea, and they really astounded her. And, when she, and she noticed it here, and she noticed it with us. These people were loving and serving and giving and caring and being without any benefit to them at all. And she has never seen that before. Even as she was wanting to help them figure out how they can launch a bigger media campaign to market the real intern, to get the real success they wanted, and they wouldn't do it, and she's like, what? I don't understand that. Who, what is this ethic? Because it's completely different than the world's. It's completely different than our presidents. And not just our president, but every senator along with him, trust me, and every representative. Because everybody's told, advance yourself. Go and advance yourself. Go and do it. And that's how you win. Christ has told us, no, deny yourself. Get and i so, said yeah, what 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 are they what are the what are the 24 elders doing in heaven with their final grounds they're using them like frisbees Pew! that's what your wealth was for it was just a frisbee to throw at the feet of jesus to give away to everybody else what are we doing guys you know, see now, the reason I think that actually enacting some foot washing, getting down and getting grungy with you all, it really, that could be helpful to, to make you feel awkward and to make a point. But you might miss the point in the awkwardness. It's really about how you live with the people around you. <laughs> it's how you live. It's, it's giving up mansplaining. Amen? Can I get an amen from some of the women in the room? All right, men, I'm going to explain to you mansplaining. I'm going to mansplain to you right now. A mansplaining is when a man tells you something you already know as if you don't. Did you get that, Well, Yeah. <laughs> what is mansplaining? It's a very practical way that we deny the gospel, and we don't live out servanthood. you think you know something more than anybody? If you think you know more than me or anybody else or somebody on the street, if you think you know more than them, well, God bless you, but you don't know as you ought then. You still don't know. Not You don't know this love. (laughs) You don't know this wonder. You don't know Christ's trajectory yet. Amen. Anybody want to get humiliated now? Anybody want to be humiliated? No, we're still, we're still, you still don't want it. (laughs) You're still fighting it. You're still fighting it. I want you to hear finally that uh, I want you to be encouraged by this joy. Remember he said, this is the last verse here, and I we'll end with this. Look at the very left. whoever welcomes the person I send also welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me also is actually welcoming the one who sent me. Now there's a the transitive power, right? A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. There's a transitive power in spirituality. There is in spiritual servanthood. When you serve each other, there's a transitive property that Christ is served and serving. Wild, huh? Weird. Would not you hear something here. So, I, a lot of times when I preach, I feel like a failure. Why? I don't know why. I don't be speaking, and I just feel like I'm failing. Just, it's, cru, it's cruel to me. It, it just hurts. I heard something today from Jesus I never heard before, and I want you to hear it too. Jesus is still humbling himself, and he did it every time he said, I'm going to work through Gina. And he said, every time I'm going to work through Chris. Every time I work through Scott and Corey and David and Peter and Adele and Agatha, you know what's so wonderful about our Jesus is he's still humbling himself to be made real in you and through you. He's still debasing. And I want to I invite you to something. Christ will outstoop you every time. It would be nice to see us outstooping one another. <laughs> Who can be the greater servant? Who can, who can give up more and more freely? Who can love more beautifully? Who can, ah, uh, and, and isn't it wonderful that its humble God is continuing to humbly work through folks like us? Why do we hope for so much from our little church for the city? Because we have, it's the same God, <laughs> it's the same Jesus. Why do we hope for so much out of the preaching of the gospel? Because it's the same God, it's the same Jesus, it's the same message, it's the same message of love. So go boldly, because the humble God is right behind you. So humble, he wants to see you succeed. (laughs) And you'll succeed as you humble yourself in him. Oh, it's good stuff, it's good stuff. Let's praise him, let's go to him in prayer. Father, how we praise you. Oh, Father, I, look, none of us are signing up to be humiliated. We just don't want it, Dad. We just don't want that. We don't want that trip. We don't want to go down that path. It's scary. It's hurtful. It's sad. It, it looks so terrifying. But you walked it. You walked it, really, so we don't really have to. We don't have to go to cross and die for our sin, because you did that. We get to enjoy the freedom <laughs> of, your, of a humble love from our Savior, we get to enjoy the freedom of a humble God who, who forsook his power, his privilege of eternal power and life, just to come and die and be like us, and be a schlep and wash feet. Father, we would follow. We would follow. Holy Spirit, make us follow. Let us follow. Holy Spirit, come and do a work with us, in us and through us, of loving your humble love and imitating it everywhere in our lives. And for we have prayed this in the matchless name of Christ. Amen.